Hello, love. Welcome back to the School of Female podcast. I am so happy to have you here. Today's episode is a special one that I guarantee will inspire you, and I can bet after listening to my guest's story and her outlook on life, you will never look at a setback or think of failure the same way ever again. My guest today is a force to be reckoned with. She is kind, very wise, and truly embodies what it means to follow your intuition. Our paths crossed last year when we connected while taking the same personal development course, and I'm so happy the universe brought her into my life. I had the privilege of sitting down with Stephanie Bernier. She was recognized as the best scrum half in the world in 2014 while representing Canada at the Women's Rugby World Cup in Paris, and shares with me how her love of sport manifested an athletic career wilder than her wildest dreams. Not only is she a World Cup athlete, but also a food chemist by profession, wife, mother to two little girls, and a very successful entrepreneur in the health and wellness industry. She is an incredible example of what can happen when you use the law of attraction to work in your favor by saying yes to opportunities, following your passion, and taking risks despite feeling fearful. Stephanie has such an amazing story of grit and determination to share that this episode is part one of two. The show today focuses on her athletic career and the mindset she has cultivated for herself as a result of her experiences playing professional rugby. Part two will come later this spring and will focus on her post-athletic success as an entrepreneur. Make sure to listen until the very end to hear Stephanie's personal piece of advice on living well that will help you to stop living in fear. Her words are incredibly insightful, and I know it will help you embody the version of yourself you are striving to become. I can't wait for you to hear Stephanie's story. Let's begin. You are listening to the School of Female podcast with me, your host, Carmen Doucette. I'm a proud girl mom, communications expert, and self-proclaimed introverted go-getter who appreciates a daily dose of personal development and a strong cup of coffee. I'm on a mission to help you live well and up-level your life. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of girl talk that will leave you inspired, motivated, and equipped with the strategies you need to live a life you love. Each week, I invite you to join me as I sit down with badass women who are living passionate lives and who are going after what they want. They'll be sharing with us their expertise as well as their advice on living well and how you can do the same. I believe that as women, we need to stop competing. When we learn from each other, we can reach our fullest potential. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this together and we're all just figuring it out as we go. So leave it with me to also bring you what I've learned over the years, what's worked for me and what hasn't to help you live life to the fullest. And just a heads up, I've been known to drop the occasional F-bomb. So if you appreciate authenticity and real talk, this podcast is for you. Thank you so much for pressing play today. Let's get started. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm doing super good. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. I am so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast today. This conversation is one that I've been looking forward to ever oh. since our paths crossed. Um, and I, I did get into it a little bit um, with the introduction, um, how we kind of came into each other's lives. Um, but I would love to just kind of kick things off and just hear from you a little bit about, I'd like to start at the beginning of your journey. If you could tell us a little bit about about your athletic career, 
how that started, because I think that your story is just such an incredible one. Um, I really, really want to start there. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, okay. So everything, I mean, how far, how far back can I go? Um, I played a lot of sports in my life. So I come from a family where sport has always been, uh, you know, something important. I also have, um, the privilege of having uh, someone in my family who won a gold medal at the 1984 Olympics. So um, her what name is- it? What sport was it? Diving, three meter diving. She is still to this day, the only Canadian that has ever won a gold medal at this uh, discipline. So- um, Wow, yeah. that's incredible. And who was this in relation to you? Uh, so that's my aunt, Sylvie Bernier. Your aunt, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, she plays such an important role in my life. And I'm sure I'm going to talk about her more in this podcast, but she's a mentor. She's like, she's always been a huge inspiration for me. And I remember, and this, I think like it really came up in the past few years. But when I was young, I remember looking at my aunt and thinking, I want to do something like this in my life. Like I was watching the Olympics all the time. I was watching sport and I really felt that competitive side inside of me, not knowing what sport I would be doing, how it would happen or anything like that. And the thing is um, I did gymnastics, I did swimming, I did soccer, I did skiing. Like I did a lot of things and I'm so grateful for my parents, you know, because they, let me choose and they let me uh, really experience a lot of different sports. And I think um, it's important. And, and as a parent today, because I have two daughters, I really feel the importance of giving, you know, as many, not too many, you know, you don't want to overwhelm your kids. Too, right. Right. Uh, many different experiences or many different, I want them to try uh, musical instruments. I want them to try all sorts of sports, team sports, individual sports, like a lot of different things so that they can um, see and feel what energizes them. And so, okay, let's go back to my story now. Um, as a teenager, I was, I was very good at gymnastics, but I wouldn't say good enough to really like perform at a, an international level. And then at the age of 14, I stopped gymnastic. And then one of my friends told me, you know, we want to get ready for the soccer season. So we should be, we should play rugby and, and during our off season so we can be ready for the soccer season. And I was like, rugby? Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah it's like, how do we, oh my God, is this that contact game where you have no equipment, no protection equipment? She was like, yeah. Okay. So I said, yes. And I started playing rugby. And the thing is, in my story, is that for the longest time, like I would say eight, 10 years, I was never on any all-star team. You know, I would never uh, have the media cover, uh, you know, Stephanie Bernier is doing great, blah, 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 like other friends of mine uh, would have the attention. And like, I, I would just be playing for the passion of it. I was so passionate about this sport. I loved it so much. So I went on to play university. I played for the Rouge Art. I played uh, club, which was my favorite because it was like family. And eventually at the end of university, after 
you know, I was I was very important on field. I was considered as a very important player, but never the star player, you know, of the game or of the team. And then after university, I thought, okay, I'm done. Like I'll only be playing club during the summers because I love it. And then somebody asked me, why don't you try for the provincial team? You know, I was, I wasn't sure because I was afraid of failing. And yeah, like as we all are. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, okay, I'll give it a try just once. And then I went on to, uh, to make the team and not only make the team, but be the starting player at my position and do the, uh, the national championship. And it is at that specific moment that everything changed because uh, there were scouters uh, for the national team there. Okay. And did you know that they were there? uh, Kind of like they're always like, this was like the biggest event in Canada uh, you know, right. so it wasn't a surprise, but it probably just really didn't cross your mind to no. have it be like such a big deal. Right. Oh, of course not. And then at the end of my last game, like we finished, I think it wasn't a really good tournament for the provincial team of Quebec. And at the end of the last game, the head coach of the national team came up to me. He's friends, French from France. So and he said, oh, Stephanie, you had a great tournament, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I was so intimidated. And he said, well, look at your emails. You might get something in the coming week. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And then when I got the email, my first reaction, and that's like we were talking about the upper limit problem just before, but that like I just wow. smashed upper limit because I thought my first reaction was there's another Stephanie Bernier in Canada. This email is not destined for me. Like they, they made You're a mistake. You're kidding. Yeah. That's the I, thought that you had. Yeah. My first impression was that. And then my husband said, no, no, it's you. Like, you know, it's for you. And then I went on to have my first um, camp uh, in BC, in Victoria, BC, with the national team that summer. That was 2012. And I really thought it would be my first and last and the invitations just kept coming. And eventually I would do every tour. I was the starting nine for Canada. So the, my position, the scrum half. Okay. And I was going to ask you, what position did you play? Okay. Scrum half. So it's like, you can say the quarterback, like the kind of the equivalent. Okay. Of yeah. So it's yeah. really about the, the vision and like the long passes. If you ever watch rugby, just Watch for someone who picks the ball from the ground and just throw it as far as she can. Uh, that was me. Okay, and, okay. And so after that, uh, I was selected for different tours around the, the world, which was so exciting. Wow. I would go to France, England, United States, to New Zealand. Like it was just completely incredible. And, but the thing is, I was also working full time. And when I say full time, it's like 45 to 50 hours a week on a really big project because I was starting my career. So I also wanted to prove myself in that, you know, environment. And I wanted to do the same in rugby because I wanted my spot at the World Cup. So I burnt myself. 
I remember. Holy like- shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Listeners can't see us right now, but my jaw just like hit the floor. So you're traveling the world and yeah. this isn't with Team Canada yet, right? It's with Team Canada. It is with Team Canada. Okay. So it is. Oh, yeah. but you're, this is before World Cup. Yeah. So yeah. that's. And so- you're working full time. Yes. So I'm still working full time. So the way that I was able to train was that uh, the 15s team, because it's the women's rugby 15s team, we were decentralized. So that means everybody like we would group during camps, during tours, but the rest of the year we would be working because we were paying to play. That was Canada. A lot of things have changed since since then. I mean, we could talk right. about it for a long time. We could get into women's sports hard right now, but we're going to uh, leave that for another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So but you're paying to play. Yeah. So yeah. every time we would go on tour, it would be like 2000. And that wasn't including the work we were missing. So that added up, you know? So it was really right. different. But in another, like today, I see it as a, kind of a blessing because we really had to be passionate about it, you know, representing the country and playing, you know, for something bigger than us uh, and paying for it. <laughs> so it Absolutely. really was passion. Uh, and so the year before, well, two years before the World Cup, I would go on camps, tours, train so much like train, let's say I had, I don't know, maybe 10 trainings a week. So that would mean that I would do my full day. I was starting at seven in the morning at the, I was working as a food chemist. I'm a food chemist by profession. So I was uh, getting at the plant. Uh, I was working, uh, you know, pr- production sites and all these things, um, the full day. And then at the end of the day, I would go to the gym or go to the field to practice my skills, tackling, uh, kicking passes. I was weightlifting, running, like, doing everything. And then I would come back home exhausted, hungry. I would eat oh, yeah. and just repeat, repeat, repeat for a full year. And then I went wow. I first, um, my first cap, which means my first official selection a year after like this intense training, it was in Colorado. And it was just an amazing moment because we, we won against England, United States, and South Africa. So it was the first time that Canada won a nation's cup, it's called. And so, and that was a year, like um, exactly a year before the World Cup. So we could feel the excitement build up and like, okay, we might be like, we, we, we might be like the team that will do something different and something better than all the other Canadian teams have done before. And so, but when I came back from that tour, I just like I I was crying all the time. I had back pains. Like this was um, uh, over. I, I was overtrained. And right. Well, like overexerting yourself in every aspect. Like just aspect. yeah, yeah. And so I decided to step back for a few weeks from training. And although it was so hard for me because I was in a hustle, hustle, hustle mood all the time. Like I wanted to be the best. I wanted to, um, you know, deserve my spot and to just step back from training for, I think it was only two weeks, but it was 
one of the hardest thing I had to do, but it, I knew that it was one of the best thing that I could do for my body and for my mental health, because it was, it came to a point where I couldn't do it all anymore. And you know, and how- I think too, like that's, I'm just so glad that you brought that up because I've had a conversation recently with a friend about that. And I, I'm, I'm the same way. I think we all are in some regard, but when we're in that hustle, like go, go, go kind of energy, we, we don't want to stop and just take a pause. We feel like we're, it's going to be more of a detriment to ourselves than a benefit, even though it is a benefit and we need to rest. And I remember saying to her, like, I could not think of a worse form of torture than sitting down on the couch right now and not doing anything, but it's like, you have to, to just like recover. Yes. So I'm so glad that you said that. So if I could ask you what, what did you tell yourself or how did you get yourself to a point where you accepted that you needed to just rest, even if it was just for the two weeks two weeks in athletic career terms is a long time, especially when you're training and working out. What did you say to yourself? How did you like mentally cope with, okay, I need to just press the pause button and rest. Cause so many of us, and I know so many of the listeners probably have a hard time doing that just in their daily lives, let alone on like team Canada, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, From what I remember, it was, there was a lot to do with my surrounding as well. Like they knew that something wasn't right. And so, although nobody knows better than you, sometimes people are here around you to show you the right direction. And I remember my husband saying, you know, this, this can't keep going. You can't keep going. Mm-hmm. This, you know, it's, it's like you're burning yourself. And like, if you want to make it to the World Cup, you have to, you have to pause, you have to stop. And I really had to reflect on it. And it came down to a point where I thought, you know, short-term sacrifice for long-term benefit. It really came down to that. And so often I have to remind myself of that because we're, our vision is so short-sighted most of the time. Like we only look at our toes, like we're so um, absorbed in our reality from today, not thinking that there's so many more things coming and you know, you just have to elevate your, your plane or your helicopter just to have another vision. And I had to do that. I had to, you know, take a step back and just reflect on, okay, what's the most important thing for me right now? Like, what do I want to create like in the next, let's say six months or a year because the World Cup was a year from that point. And it it was really about if I want to make it there, these are the actions I have to take right now. I love that outlook. Yes, like just stepping back and seeing more of the bigger picture. Take yourself out of the day, out of even the week. Yeah. Yeah. Where do I want to go? Okay. I need to just rest yeah. and recover right now. Yeah. And you love know that how powerful the universe and law of attraction is. I, mean, I don't know if, if the, your listeners, they're probably like aware of all these things because I know it's part of the things you share on social media too. But um, I was, I was really hoping for more rest time because I needed 
you know, every week I needed to go my, um, uh, massotherapeut, how, how do you say that? Like, uh, someone that massages for does massages. Oh, yeah. You had to go to a, yeah. A masseuse. Yeah. But like, like a, uh, athletic one that really hurt. You oh, <laughs> okay. Yes. No? Like not a chiropractor, right? No, not a chiropractor. No. Massage just, therapy, yeah. but for sports. So, I know what you're saying. I don't yeah. know the specific term. I think it's massage therapy. But let, so I needed a lot of things just like um, to, to put my body back into into a right spot. I needed to see the physiotherapist, like, but I didn't have time to do all of this with my 45 to 50 hours week work. But the thing that happened, and I know I was so supported, supported the whole way like when I really think about it, there were so many signs and opportunities and resources. And I really see it now how much I was supported because my boss at the time told me, you know, we're thinking about cutting down um, someone in your department and you're not the last one that came in. So basically we would be firing or letting this girl go. but since you're aiming for the World Cup, there's a new program in Quebec that exists that we can reduce your hours and you can compensate with um, like a, like a, a welfare program. I don't okay. know. If have right. Like um, employment insurance almost. Yeah. I right. know it's different in Quebec, but yeah. yeah. But it was a new thing. Like it didn't exist before. So, and my oh, boss, perfect. I know. And my boss told me like, if you want to reduce your hours, like we know it's been a lot for you in the past year. And we know the world cup is coming in the, you know, in 12 months from now, uh, we could reduce your hours to let's say 30 hours a week, which for me was like nothing <laughs> compared to what I was I, doing. Uh, yeah. so I was working four days a week. I was able to train, to take time for myself, to concentrate on my goals. And on every Friday, I would go see the massage therapist and the physiotherapist and like, just, you know, put my body back into the right place to start the week over. And I did that for six months before the World Cup. And then we had a tour in June, 2014 in New Zealand, which was amazing I, I can't wait to go back to this country if you guys have never been to Australia or New Zealand I really really recommend it like there's so there's so much um you know the culture there is so strong with the first nations and the Maori and like all these people it's so 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 powerful and nature that sounds incredible yeah yeah it was really and for rugby for rug, any rugby player it's like the place you want to go if you guys don't really know rugby you probably uh seen um the haka from the all blacks like the dance i don't know maybe not but uh this is like the most popular thing you can find about rugby uh, in the world right now but anyway i'll let to say that uh the world cup was coming we were so excited and also anxious about who is going to be selected and, you know, all these things as an athlete, you never know until you're there because not only are you always fighting for your spot, if you're part of a team or even as an injured uh, individual um, athlete, because you're always fighting for your spot to go to the world cup or the Olympic anyway. 
but you're also always fighting to not injure yourself because injury can take you out at any moment. So you're dedicating every day of your life, like every thought you have are directed towards your athletic goals, but you never know Mm -hmm. what can happen. And this is why it can be so heartbreaking for someone that invests so much and is so passionate about the sport. And then two weeks before, just, you know, you, you break an arm or whatever. Um, right. But fortunately it didn't happen to me. Uh, I had some, I had a, a, a friend who had an injury in New Zealand, you know, just a month before the world cup. That's very, very heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Like, yes. Yeah. But it reminds us how grateful we have to be of just, you know, still being in the process in the path and, um, getting to the world cup was one of the most incredible feeling and experience I've never, you know, I get emotional just. Well, I can't, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you, like, like, holy shit. Like, what was that like? And also knowing now what you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about, you know, when you were a little girl looking up to your aunt and her amazing athletic career, When you were at the World Cup, did you have, it must have just been so surreal, but did you have a moment where you looked around and were like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting and not waiting, but like, I've just been dreaming, waiting for this and dreaming about this my whole life. And here it is in front of me. Like, did you have a moment like that? Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. So in the plane, obviously with the whole team. We were just so excited with our new gear, you know, branded with the Women's Rugby World Cup. So it was just an, it, it's, it's surreal when you're living it. And it's the kind of moment where you really, like time stops and you remember every action, every struggle, every experiences, every doubt. It really, sorry, I'm super emotional today, but always, you know, talking about this because it was so strong and it's thinking about everything that had led, that led you to living this precise moment. And you have, I felt the profound feeling that I was living something bigger than me, that I was part of something bigger than me. And I really think I, made made the most out of my World Cup. I enjoyed every minute on the field, although it was very hard. (laughs) Um, And then at the fourth game, which was the semifinals. So the thing is, we had to beat England in our pool or equalize, draw against England. Okay. Go to the next phase because Ireland had beaten New Zealand, which was not supposed to happen so we were we had our back against the wall and we had to really come out with an extraordinary game and so we drew against England which is something that rarely happens in rugby like very 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 rarely happens so we made it through the next round which was the semi-finals against France and we were playing in France and so just the feeling of getting into the stadium filled with French people, like packed with flags, 
they were singing La Marseillaise, their national anthem. And they're, they're a very, very, very proud country. And they're very proud about rugby too. And so in the media, uh, before the game, they were destroying us in the sense that um, we're not we're not performing really well on the men's side against countries like France or New Zealand and all these rugby countries. And so they thought the same for the women. So they were talking about the carnage, uh, the like you know like the, the how the the scrum would destroy the canadian scrums and all these things oh, oh yeah like all the trash was it like trash talk like you totally yeah. i can't imagine it's like you're yeah. walking right into your like enemy's territory absolutely yeah. but the last training before that game we were grouping all together the team and our coach told us we know something that nobody else knows in the world we know we can beat them we know that as a team, we have something so, so special. We had that connection, that synergy, uh, that culture where we really knew that we had our backs, like everyone on the team. It was really, really special. As a oh, it would be. People. I love that so much. Yeah. And when we got on the pitch, we knew there were millions of uh of uh, television viewers and it was just over like we've never nobody on the team had ever experienced something like this before and on the 37th minute of the first half so it's two halves of uh 240 minutes halves right. i i blew out my knee so it was the end for me for my career for my world cup obviously and yeah when i remember that moment I felt so um you know so uh um I would only have the word in French but like defeated uh, yeah defeated and I felt like I was letting my team down because I could see the game just moving away from me and I couldn't do anything so it was I'm letting I had thoughts like I'm letting my team down I'm letting my country down you know all like still, you know, it, oh, it, yeah. thinking about that. but um, it was so, uh, but it was a blessing in disguise. And that's, that's what I found out after. And I remember at the end of the game, we, we won. First of all, we won. Like I could see, they brought me out and I could hear screams outside like in the stadium but I had no idea what was going on and when they brought me back we were winning like we were oh my goodness so you were taken out to be assessed obviously like a medic yeah. was looking at your knee yeah. you hear all this commotion I can't imagine that it's like no just freaking leave me out here I want to watch like you yeah. must have just oh, wow yeah, yeah. So it was a very powerful moment and I knew that it was over for me, but as a team, we were going in finals. So, you know, it wasn't about me anymore. And I had so many messages. I feel so bad for you. I can't believe it. You worked so hard for this. And I'm like, I made it like I'm here and I'm here for the right. team. And it's bigger than me. You know, it's about the team from now on. I'm, like it's only about what we can do in these finals and we right uh, and that's something I was gonna ask you like how did you cope in that moment because that I can't even fathom um but you you answered it in the fact that like 
you know, when you have such a strong purpose and passion, it's bigger than you. So it's not about you. Yeah. Like just for you to be able to watch your team perform and continue on. Like that just says so much about you though, as a, as a human being too, because I don't think not everybody has that outlook Mm -hmm. or could cope with a situation as catastrophic as that, um, in the way that you did. So like kudos to you, like that's freaking huge. Um, so, okay. I'll let you continue. I'll let you continue. And well, just to wrap up this whole uh, athletic or rugby story, um, I was at the Toronto airport on my way back and I was with my husband because all of our husbands and wives and like everybody came to watch mm. the World Cup, obviously, and it made it so much more special. And I was in a wheelchair and I had a friend that ran up to me and said, oh my God, Steph, you're not going to believe this, but you made it to the all-star team, meaning that I was recognized as the best scrum half in the world in that World Cup. And Oh, Stephanie. And that was so, you know, it was just like the, the um, uh, like wrapping everything that I yeah. have gone through in the last 10 years of my rugby career knowing that I was never mentioned in any all-star team playing university playing like whatever I was doing I was yes I was an important player but never on the spotlight and then I end my rugby career being recognized as the highest achievement you can be recognized in in sport well yeah in in my sport anyway of course right and, and it really like facilitated the, the way out of rugby because I knew that I had given my all. And after that came many other, you know, uh, learning experiences and struggles because when I, I, and I remember coming back home because I had to get a surgery a few months after my, my injury. Mm-hmm, right. Um, but I was already thinking, like, even though I still had on the back, I wasn't like for me, I wasn't really ready to retire because I couldn't believe that I wouldn't be able to put a jersey on or my spikes on. Or... Because it became part of your identity, right? It was my identity. And that's one of the hardest things for an athlete or any other people that have been in such a, you know, an intense um, uh, experience in their lives, you'll know what I mean. Like if, if you like even school or all these things that we go through, it's, it becomes our identity. And I would value myself in my performance, uh, like athletic performances. And that's how I was myself. And creating a new identity where I wouldn't value who I was based on how I would perform. That was one of the hardest thing that I had to go through and one of the best lessons that I've ever had. And for that, I'm so grateful that my aunt that I I was talking at the beginning, she Mm. helped me so much through this whole process. You know, the, the word performance what is performing? Like it's, there's such a negative uh, um, uh, way that we see that word 
when it all comes down to seeing how far you can go, like only against yourself. Right. Um, like be the best you, be the best version. That's that for me now is performing, is performance. Just right. comparing to any other people because we all know that comparison is a thief. <laughs> and oh yeah, comparisonitis is a real thing for sure. Yeah. And the thing is that I am very competitive and this is something that I know I have to work, like I constantly have to work on and I still will have to work on that. But when I just bring it back to myself, what can I bring to the table? What are my own unique, unique gifts that I can come up with? And for me, it's really my way of not falling into the comparison trap and like looking right and left. And <laughs> it's, I know it's right. like, still to this day, it's hard for me because I have this competitive side and, but the competition is all about your potentiality, your own, like your own way of performing. I don't right. know. No, that does make sense. And I do want to ask you a little bit more about that because just earlier, you just said, you know, that's one of the best lessons and hardest lessons that I had. And I know that your aunt helped you. Can you share a little bit about like, how did you start shifting your mindset from thinking about your success only as a rugby player performing out on the field to like the success of you as an individual, like, because you are so much more than the athlete. So how did you start? I know that that's probably a huge question, huge open-ended question, but how did you start just making those tweaks? Like if somebody right now is listening, who is struggling with, you know, shifting from one identity that perhaps has ended, maybe it's a career change or maybe it's a relationship has ended. Mm. How could they start shifting it to a, not a new identity, but just embracing yourself as an individual? Yeah, there's so many things in there. The first thing that really helped me was knowing that, you know, and Tony Robbins says that life doesn't happen uh, to us, it happens for us. And Mm -hmm. I remember one specific, I think it was maybe just a few days after I came back, and my mom called me, uh, you know, she was devastated, probably more than me, like, you know, how parents can feel more emotions than their own kids yeah yeah. Um, and my mom was just how are you doing how is everything like I feel so bad like you know she like she was just overwhelmed by everything that was happening and I said mom you know what one when one door closes 10 more opens opens up I don't know if it's the exact expression you say in English yeah yeah when one door closes, another opens. Yeah, opens, at least yeah. one more opens. At least, yeah. And I said, I, I know the right things will show up in my life. Like I had this, although I had my days where I would just cry and I had to go through these emotions. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you're listening to this, if you feel like something comes up, you have to live that emotion. Like you have to when it comes up it's because you're ready to release it. And, and so I really lived, I, it was like, it wasn't always easy and I wasn't always like 
course. Day in and day out, like feeling better and better and better. Like I had, I had my moments where I was, I was ready to go back. And I like, I remember I had a journalist came uh, to my, to my place at one point and he's like, oh my God, I'm sure you're going to go back to playing rugby. Like we miss you so much and blah, blah, blah. It was so much fun to cover like everything you did in the past few years. And I was like, like it, it, he planted a seed like of doubt in my mind because I had decided that I was retiring, but then I had like other people telling me otherwise. And then I was confused. I was so confused at the beginning. And I thought, you know what? I will be the first mom that plays for Canada that makes it to a World Cup. So, okay, I'm going to open that door for other women to see that it's possible for them to balance like athletic performance um, career with having a baby. And so that was like my first thing. And I remember my, when my aunt, she came over and she told me, and I, that, that was just great wisdom, but I was so triggered by it. And she said, you know, you know what, Steph? I've seen so many athletes, like she did 11 Olympic games as uh, uh, Olympic chef de mission, chief uh, mission, assistant, uh, analyst, like name it, she, she has done them all. And she said, I've seen so many athletes go for the next Olympics, the next World Cup, the next thing, like, because they weren't, but in the, res in resistance, because it was their, their only identity. Like they, they couldn't see themselves doing anything else mm. and it just kept them from moving on to creating so many great things in their lives. And it was, it was triggering me because I wasn't ready to hear that. I wasn't ready to say, oh, you're right. Yes, let's move on. But you have to put at least 10,000 hours in something else to really like, uh, uh, develop another passion. I was like, 10,000 hours. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> like, like you're I kidding me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but you know what? It was the, one of the best advice I've ever had because it, although it was very hard for me to accept that I would no longer play rugby. And I even tried once more, like, I, I think eight months because I, I, I got pregnant a week after my surgery. And so after giving birth, like there was a camp coming up, maybe when Julia, my, my oldest daughter would be eight months old. And I was like, oh, oh, wow, that would be possible. And so I started training again and do all these things. And, um, and then I ended up injuring myself again, same knee, same thing. I was breastfeeding, you know, all the, the, the your bone health is not what it, yeah. 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 Like, oh, wow. But again, I think it was just another opening, another opportunity for me to see that it was over and, mm -hmm. and it was perfect that way. And I'm so grateful Like today, seven years later, a little bit more than seven years later, I can truly say that it was one of the best thing that could ever happen to me to have this injury. Yes, I would have wow. loved give given so much to play in that final I mean a World Cup final like who doesn't want to be part of it when you've been training so many years for that but having gone through all the things that I've been through in the last six seven years mm -hmm. I redefined myself in so many ways that 
I, I'm so You've just expanded. Yeah. I just expanded in, in so many other things. Like I don't, my God, I don't, don't even see myself as a, an international, like this is like another chapter of my life. You know, I moved on exactly other things, but I will be forever grateful for all the lessons and all the tools it has given me, you know, perseverance, discipline. And there's so many great things that we can learn Mm. and through all the things that I, that I've been through. And I wouldn't be the person and the leader and the mother and the wife that I am today if it wasn't from my injury and the struggles and the doubts and like my whole athletic career that I had to go through. So, yeah. That's just so incredible. I love your outlook and it's just a very noble one. And I really, I was so excited to chat with you today because you have taken what would be considered a negative experience right? Like your injury, that was, it was terrible. What happened after all the years of work that you put up leading up to that moment, um, for you to take that situation. And I know you said, like, I had my bad days, of course, that would take, you had to go through almost like a period of mourning that chapter of your life. Um, I just want to wrap things up by asking you, is there like, if somebody is listening right now who, you know, has experienced something negative in their life, what would your advice be? And I guess too, this kind of leads to my very last question as well. Um, on my podcast, I, the whole purpose is to empower women and to learn from each other because we have so much wisdom. We all have so much experience that other women can learn from and benefit from. So from your whole journey and taking that negative experience of your injury and learning from it and being grateful for it, which sounds like such a strange word to use in that regard, because it opened up another chapter of your life with your, with your business and your family. Yeah. What would you say, what advice, or what would you say to somebody, another woman who's right at that brink, something shitty just happened, their identity is changing and they don't like it, but what would you say to them to make them feel like, no, this is the path that you're supposed to be on and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's the first thing like that I keep reminding myself as well, because it's never, you know, we never arrive. That's the thing. We have to fall in love with the journey. If not, we'll never appreciate the destination and the destination basically is the journey. So we have to embrace the path we're in and the lessons we have to go through and we have to trust. And I know sometimes it's so hard to trust that we're on the right path and to stop, you know, um, doubting ourselves so much. We doubt ourselves so much, like all the talk mm-hmm. the negative talk we have. And I'm not saying like only have positive uh, thoughts and all these things, because that's not, that's not true, but all the doubts that, from you know our capabilities and that what we can create and what we can accomplish like we're giving we are our biggest challenge we are our own biggest challenge and we have all the answers inside of us and that's 
part of the trusting part that I was talking about is trusting mm-hmm. that we all have so many answers inside of us and our higher self is there to show us the path and to lead the way and to really show us what's important for us. And it is our duty to shut down the noises. And I know that can be so hard and only you know how to do that. Shut down the noises around or do something that energizes you so you can feel that connection to your intuition, to your higher self, to the part of you that really is there to to guide you. And when you have an idea or you feel inspired by something or you feel moved and energized towards something, it's a sign. It's a sign that there's something to explore. So, you know, it's about, there's, I don't know if you've heard about the levels of consciousness, but there's four levels of consciousness. And the first one is victimhood. So like most people are in victimhood. Why is this happening to me? there's situation. Why am I living this again? Why this, why that? And, you know, we're victims. So we're giving away our power because we feel like it's external. Um, The second level of consciousness is hustle and grind. I've been in that level, like (laughs) a big part of my life. Um, (laughs) So that's like, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have like a lot of success with hustle and grind. But the thing is, we're still in the fear mentality we still fear that if we stop doing this then this will stop happening and so we're always like um uh uh, in that state of like low vibrations and not sure about what's going to come the real the magic happens when you switch from the second to the third one so the third one is um is higher power flow so that means You trust that the right resources, opportunities, people will meet your path. And you trust that, you know, you see the synchronicities, you see the signs, you ask for signs, you trust the universe is supporting you. And this gives you, because when, like, when you have confidence that you will get somewhere, you'll no longer be in fear. You'll have, just have to be patient. Right. You know, it's going to work out. Like, you know, it will, you just don't know how, and that's okay. Yes. Because we're not like, we can't interact with the how we know that's not our part, but, uh, so the higher power flow state is higher vibrations. It's about, um, trust. It's about faith. It's about, uh, love. It's about like all these beautiful things, joy and happiness. And the fourth one, which is something that is, I think, very humanly hard to get to. Uh, but I think more and more people will get there, but it's uh, in the enlightenment uh, consciousness. So that means you're, you see like everything is interconnected, like the, uh, the universal intelligence. And I don't know if like you're aware of all, all of these things, but it's all about love. Like there's no you and me, there's just us. There's just, everything is, just one just one yeah that's yeah but that's like at another level I think we're here in the physical realm and in the 3d to live human experiences as well but if it doesn't mean let's say you reach the third one it doesn't mean you'll never go back to the second or the first one 
because, but it just means that you're aware and you're conscious of, okay, now I feel like I'm, I'm you know, in victimhood or I'm in that uh, consciousness. So meaning that mm. um, I fear things, like I'm not confident that the right things will happen. So just being aware of it is, yeah, uh, you know, it's a That's part. like the hardest part. Absolutely. Yes. Just being aware and knowing when something happens to you, yeah. it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And it's just how you learn from that situation. Like what positive, not even, well, yeah, positive. I was going to say positive learning, but what learning can you take from that yeah. to help you move forward in yeah. an even better way? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I love that accept- so much. And when you accept that uh, failure is part of the process. And I, I don't like, I don't really like that word. Uh, I mm-hmm. prefer learning experiences or challenges or things like that. But right. when you know that it is part of life, it is part of any success stories had, you know, has its failures. And as you know, I don't know if you've heard this before, but Winston Churchill used to say, Success is going from one failure to the other without lack of enthusiasm. And I find it so true because you're like, and I know it can be so hard sometimes to see clarity when we're in a fog and when we, we can't see, we don't have a vision. We, we don't feel inspired by anything. We don't know where to start. Uh, we don't feel mm. like creative, but that's okay. Like we have so many different cycles in as, as women, <laughs> Of course, we have our cycle. Yes. There's the seasons that like, there's so many things that affects us uh, around us, but also we have to accept that we're not always going to feel inspired. We're not always going to uh, um, have inspired actions, you know, towards our business or career or whatever. Like sometimes it's just okay to not feel good and just, to sit there and reflect and do something that makes us feel good. I don't know, like go out, walk in nature, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever uh, suits you, because we all have different ways of, of getting back yes. into alignment. But yeah, I would say trust, trust that you're on the right path and don't think that you did something wrong in the past. Like, you know what? It's like, I'm okay where I am today. I am exactly where I need to be. And Mm -hmm. I'll just start looking at the signs around me because you're always supported. And when you trust that the synchronicities are there, it's like, (sighs) you can breathe again because you feel like, okay, I just need to be aware now of the Mm -hmm. direction that I need to go. And yeah, there's a good, uh, you probably, maybe you read it, but The Universe Has Your Back by Gabrielle, uh, Gabby Bernstein. It's on my list. Yes, it's on my list. It's so good. It's I'll so link good. it. I'll link that book as well in the show notes. And I just love that. Um, just to end our conversation, like just trust and just acceptance. I think a lot of people refuse to accept perhaps something, something negative or something like, I'm going to say quote unquote bad, um, doesn't mean that it's okay or that it was fair, but just to accept that it actually happened, um, is huge, is huge. And I can just see that you've done that 
And I feel like we could talk, we need to talk again. I feel like we could talk so much um, specifically about your business and, you know, from your injury till now. Um, But as I mentioned, you know, in your introduction, just the incredible life that you have built. And like you even mentioned before too, like that identity of the rugby player, like you don't even, that's not even your first thought anymore when you think of yourself. So it's just so crazy how we can really shape and just learn and, you know, grow from life experiences. It's just, it's amazing. And it was such an honor talking to you today. I love chatting with you. I've, I just love your insights and your outlook on life and what you've gone through and just what you've worked so hard for, but also like in the terms of hard work, you've also just followed that inspired action. Like you just, you know, what feels good. And that's just the road that you've continued to go on and followed that. And I love that so much. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I know that it's going to resonate with so many of our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. I hope this episode has left you inspired to live well. Please remember to leave a review and follow the show so you never miss out on future conversations. You can follow me on Instagram at the school of female and also visit my website at theschooloffemale.com to stay in touch and to learn my tips and tricks for living a life you love. Have a fantastic week, girlfriend, and I'll catch you next time.